0: Hello and welcome to Within Normal Limits, Copic's podcast featuring discussions of patient safety in the modern healthcare world. I'm your host, Eric Zacharias, a risk manager and patient safety consultant for Copic, as well as a practicing internal medicine physician. Thank you for listening and helping us further Copic's mission of improving medicine in the communities we serve. So today we have a special guest, uh, Sammy Diab, who is president of the Colorado Medical Society. Uh, welcome to Within Normal Limits.
1: Thank you so much for having me.
0: I'm excited about your medical background. I was reading a little bit about uh, where you grew up and where you trained, and I see that you have uh, a history of of uh, living in Syria, and I know you're in Damascus, Syria for a period of time. So. Tell me about growing up in Syria and uh, what uh, led you towards medicine.
1: Yeah, great, uh, great question. Uh, You know, it's been so long that I have to think a little bit about it. But, you know, growing up in Syria, born and raised and went to, um, you know, school uh, up to finishing my medical school in Damascus. So, you know all my living in syria was in the capital damascus uh, and uh, you know uh, i came from a background of a mother who's a pharmacist a dad who's a lawyer and you know venture into business he uh, used to run a uh, the office of a comp- american company called ingersoll and in uh, in damascus they make equipments for you know heavy duty equipments for roads and and stuff like that uh, and I, you know, my uncle, um, uh, is dermatologist, uh, that's on my dad's side, on my mother's side, uh, you know, I have an aunt who is one of the first, uh, female physicians really in the Middle East. Uh, she went to the AUB, American University of Beirut, have another uncle who trained in the United States, uh, as ENT physicians, did his residency in New York, uh, and, uh, I have another uncle who, uh, not a physician, but an engineer who came to the state and end up staying working for the federal government. And before retiring, he used to be, uh, working for the uh, nuclear regulatory committee in, uh, in DC. So, you know, I have a medical background, I have a family background, you know, and connection to the United States. And that's probably explained some of my path, uh, forward, but, uh, you know, growing up there was really a lot of fun. I mean, that's before electronics and and games and just playing football, soccer, we call it soccer, with friends uh, and, uh, you know, having a lot of great friends and good memories that we keep in touch with. So.
0: Yeah, I bet that's nice to have kind of two cultures to call upon. And uh, you are a practicing oncologist, and I, I see you trained in Texas, so uh, what, uh, what took you into oncology?
1: Yeah. So, you know, when I decided that I want to go to the United States, I, uh, uh, got my green card. I came initially to Michigan. Um, uh, actually I landed in Chicago and, uh, you yeah, know, I, I, should tell you this story because I think it's fun, you know, so I landed in Chicago. My mom, best friend is an anesthesiologist in the, in Chicago, in the, uh, uh, area, uh, a town called Joliet. So she picked, she picked me up from the airport, and she has three kids, you know, who are all in medical school at that time, you know, and and I was. You know, like fascinated, just to land here. And uh, I mean, my first impression was just amazing on the airplane because I sat n- next to this wonderful lady that we were talking, and uh, you know, she she was a high level executive in one of the banks in Chicago, and she said she was really fascinated that you know here's this kid who is 25 coming here, you know, hardly speaking English, and she gave me her number and said if you need anything, you know, you just call me and you know, I end up in Chicago and one day on, you know, I felt like, you know, what would be nice to connect and build friends and, you know, really feeling a little bit homesick, you know, so I called her up. She came, picked me up, took me to a Mexican restaurant and just wonderful, wonderful lady. I mean, th- that's just tell me about the generosity and how open people, you know, they welcome, you know, this stranger to, an, to a country with an open arm and, you know, they, they, really, you know, made me feel very welcome. So I, I was really very impressed and very touched by that. Uh, so I landed in Chicago and my first stop was Pizza Hut. And, uh, <laughs> you know, and then I saw the the really, you know, like when you're in the Middle East or in Europe, you know, you get small size pizza, you know, for one person here. And Pizza Hut, the the large pizza was like it would feed probably a whole village in Syria. <laughs> so, so that was my First introduction to big size food here. <laughs> uh, so ultimately, I ended up going to Chicago to uh, interview the University of Illinois, interviewed Cook County and Wayne State, decided to start early at Wayne State. Uh, I did three years of, on- of, uh, of internal medicine. And you know Wayne State is one of the NCI, National Cancer Institute, designated cancer centers. And uh, so, really, during my training, I got exposed to a lot of. Uh, a lot of oncology uh, and that's probably led me to oncology, but really there was one day that I still remember. It's like yesterday. And I, I wrote about that in my article in the Colorado medicine uh, about finding joy. And uh, you know, the, everybody told me that that one oncology rotation at the VA hospital in the middle of the winter in Detroit is going to be probably one of my worst rotation as uh, intern. And I, You know, so I I go in the VA hospital and I got the assignment of patient and my first patient was a veteran with stage four lung cancer who was admitted with hip fracture from metastatic disease. And uh, I mean, immediately I felt like, you know, I found my calling. Uh, He was in a lot of pain trying to help him control his pain and really focus on the whole person, not just on, you know, the cancer part and, I found myself grabbing a chair, sitting at the bedside, holding his hand. You know, you know, trying to understand him as a person. What's his background? Where did he serve? And uh, really had that that great connection. And I felt like, oh my God, this is an amazing, you know, to be part of such a experience of somebody who has such a serious disease, and you are, you know, they're giving you. You know, permission to be part of that experience and to help them—they elevate you, and you become very important part of the process. So, really, the human interaction is really what drove me into oncology.
0: Well, it sounds like you had a real calling into medicine and a and a real calling to to helping others. But you've also had a calling to leadership. You you are my president, right? You are president of my Colorado Medical Society. So, I appreciate that you're uh, that you're living in both those. Really, uh, you know, busy worlds. So, a lot of us who listen to this are Colorado Medical Society uh, members. Uh, tell us about your job. Uh, I, I read some of the your. Uh, I read about some of your goals of public and government policy, physician well-being, and communication. So maybe we'll we'll hit those those three areas because I think they're all important and interesting. I know you didn't sign up on this just for all the, the the accolades of being president, you signed up to be a servant leader. Uh, so what are you doing in public and government policy with opioids and ethical challenges and, and other areas?
1: Yeah, no, that's uh, that's great. And that's really how my career evolved to, to this point. I mean, from, you know, helping the individual patients. But, you know, in order to answer that question, I really need to probably give you another, you know, 30 seconds background, because, you know, three or probably four or five years ago, you know, I had an experience in my practice where, uh, you know, one of our patients had a bad outcome. And, uh, you know, to me that was an eye-opener about the importance of really being involved in system and quality, you know, in order to improve patient care. So I I just realized that, you know, as a physician we have the obligation not just to the individual patient, but we also have the obligation, you know, to the system whether – to assure quality, safety of administering chemotherapy drugs, or whether really to, you know, represent our patients when it comes to the legislatures and policy. So that drove me into uh, this positions. And I've been involved with Colorado Medical Society really since I moved to to Colorado in 1999. But that experience really elevate the importance and the priority for me in terms of uh, getting involved and, initially before i ran for the president i was on the you know i called in on the uh, well being committee because i felt that and not not just i felt you know the data support that physician burnout uh, is at all time highs and physician suicide and uh, you know physician really wanting to quit and just talking to my friends physicians you know who we all you know express our concern about medicine and how Know, how difficult it is to practice right now. Uh, so all that really led me to say, you know what, you know, I can't complain about it all day long, but maybe I should try to do something about it. And so I decided to run, you know, as a president of Colorado Medical Society. And uh, really, I I had the privilege of being elected, uh, you know, uh, as the president. And, you know, my goal is really to represent the physician of Colorado and to have their their voice, you know, heard at all different levels. So I'm still, you know, very involved with the wellbeing committee. Um, uh, and we're talking right now about, you know, peer support. Um, you know, we're involved with the issue of physician confidentialities and, uh, you know, I'm sure you're aware of the issue of, uh, the fight for, to protect confidentiality in Colorado, uh, right now. And, uh, you know, Dora is going through a process of uh, selecting a vendor for physician counseling, uh, and not just physician, but other providers and healthcare workers, including you know advanced practice providers and and nurses. And uh, you know, Colorado, you know, for many many years, is a great model for the nation in terms of how to do physician counseling. You know, to feel the threat in the middle of COVID that this is going to be taking away from us. That certainly became a personal priority for me and clearly a priority for the Colorado Medical Society. Uh, the Colorado Medical Board has developed a policy for confidentiality. The Colorado Medical Society will be very involved in terms of working on providing feedback on that language. We want the physicians of Colorado to have a safe place where they feel they can go to to seek help if they feel depressed, if they feel that they need some support uh, as well so we're we're really optimistic that we'll maintain the ability for the physicians of Colorado to to have confidentiality otherwise you know the alternative if if i feel like my license, license i'm going to be reported to the board you know i'm probably just going to go home and you know really deal with my stress in unhealthy way, it could be drinking, could be using drugs, could be suicide. Uh, and we certainly want the healthy patterns to support each other in this process. Uh, I understand the obligation, you know, to the public, you know, uh, and I think we had a system that was perfect. Uh, to my knowledge, very few incidents where physicians are seeking confidentiality, went back to practice and, and did anything wrong or harmed patients. And certainly the protecting the public and the physician at the same time. So we felt that we had a good system and we're hoping to to really maintain that system regardless of who the vendor is in terms of confidentiality. So that's really very, you know, very important. I mean, I went through that experience myself, you know, when I had that bad outcome and I felt that I really needed somebody to talk to in, in that process. And I was very fortunate. I had wonderful primary care physician, Dr. Lisa Corbin, who referred me to a program at children's hospital that they deal with this issue that they establish. And that is a children's hospital, I talked to that oncologist and she really was wonderful. I mean I got her cell phone number. She said call email anytime and I felt like there was somebody understand what I'm going through as a physician. Uh, and I was totally safe but if you know somebody told me that you know she has to report that interaction to the to the Colorado Medical Board, I probably would just went home and probably Quit medicine or something like that. So, so, so really, it's important issue. Uh, so, just that, just an example for you know how involve involvement of physician in this process can protect the physician community and protect the public at large. Uh, um, let me see here. So, uh, well being is a big uh, big issue, but you know the other big issue is really is access to care and affordability. Uh, so we have a committee within Colorado Medical Society, the Value Care uh, Committee, uh, under the leadership of Doctor David Downs, and you know, involved in how are we going to really innovate in healthcare. And those meetings are once a month. They're a wonderful meetings. I mean, experienced people, experienced physician, primary care doctors, sub specialty. We are all sitting, you know, or meeting around the Zoom uh, nowadays talking about one goal, you know, how do we improve the quality of healthcare, meaning really how do we want to make healthcare affordable and improve high-value care? So cut down on the waste, administrative burden. I mean, these are wonderful discussions for a physician. You know, it really addresses your burnout because, you know, I don't know any other settings, at least for me personally, other than Colorado Medical Society, where I had that forum to, to really focus on patient centric issues okay we're not focusing on our pnl at the end of the month you know profit loss we're not focusing on how do we make money we're you know we're really just focusing on very important issues you know high value care and how do you put the physician at the center of healthcare uh how do we cut down on pre authorizations you know the pain of any of all physicians really the pre auth process and administrative burden um you know, so 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 to me, you know, being able to participate at that level really brings me joy. I mean, I would you know, my wife would say, you know, Sammy, when you come back from CMS meeting, you're energized. You know, when I come back from meeting with insurance company or or other meetings, my energy is drained. And that tells me where where my heart is, where where I should focus my energy. Well,
0: I, I don't know if you're a Harry Potter fan, but there's a creature called a Dementor that sucks all joy in your soul out through your body. And I think of a prior off uh, or a peer-to-peer call uh, as, as somewhat analogous to a Dementor. I could be having the best day of my life, and and then I get a, oh, yeah, to get this MRI for this patient with posterior cerebellar findings, you are worried about a stroke, you have to do a peer-to-peer to get it approved. And I just... I feel the joy being sucked out of my out of my practice, so I appreciate that organized medicine is is working on our behalf, and uh, absolutely the work with uh, peer and professional support is so important. I have those conversations. I'm in a sixty plus physician multi specialty group, and we use those support services because they're very valuable. Uh, they allow us in a, as you say, in a, in a confidential and a trustworthy uh, fashion to have a partner uh, to help out the mental health of our providers. And if, if the mental health, for, for the non-physicians listening, uh, you want the mental health of your provider um, to be a, a top priority of that provider. Um, and there are a lot of challenges, uh, COVID not the least of them. And so, having that peer and professional support is is so important. You also mentioned joy, and uh, I read your article and and actually perused this uh, this book you talked about, which uh, aptly enough is called "The Book of Joy: Colon Lasting Happiness in a Changing World," uh, written by none other than His Holies, Holiness the Dalai Lama and Reverend Archbishop Desmond Tutu. So uh, hard to find much taller timber than those two. Uh, gentlemen. Uh, So let's talk a little bit about joy and and enjoying our practice and what we we do in medicine. And you used four main uh, subtypes, and maybe I'll just kind of feed you some underhand softball pitches on this because these are are key areas. But the first one is about our ability uh, to be generous and how that brings joy. So Uh, do you have a sentence or two uh, to to help us understand how being generous can help with joy?
1: Yeah. I mean, I think as a physician, we, we, we totally get that point. I think it's natural to us. I mean, we're generous with, with our time, right? I mean, we go to school for very long period of time to become a doctor's we sit with our patients, you know, I mean, just remember, The last time you took an extra 20 minutes or 10 minutes or five minutes with the patient sat at the bedside and hold their hands, you know, that generosity of time, you know, didn't you feel so great about yourself? So I think really generosity, you know, and and helping our patients, uh, you know, via our knowledge, via our time is certainly reflect on us. I mean, we all go home when we feel we did a great job you know, with our patients, regardless of the outcome. I mean, people ask me, your oncologist must be depressing. I said, you know, that's the most positive job I've ever had in my life because every single day I feel like, you know, I'm, I'm helping my patient. They're helping me, you know, I'm, I'm part of the process. So I think generosity and really compassion and, and giving to others is, you know, really helps our joy and feeds our joy and activate that circuit in the brain. I mean, that, you know, the book of joy, talk about it. We have a circuit on the brain when we're generous toward other and compassionate toward other, you know, that's really going to activate our our joyful states. We do a talk at Copic, uh,
0: Dennis Boyle mostly put it together, but the rest of us give it as well, but I'll give Dennis a shout out. Uh, but we talk about recapturing the joy of medicine and that uh, hedonic versus eudaimonic happiness, and uh, the hedonic is the, you know, chasing the visceral pleasure, and the eudaimonic is that true happiness, and generosity has been shown in study after study, uh, you know, giving of yourself to others to, to bring a deep sense of, of happiness and joy, and, and kind of once you cross a certain level of creature comforts and enough income so you don't suffer the crushing effects of poverty— that's not really what's going to bring you joy. I mean, I like a shiny object as much as the next person, uh, but what really brings joy is, as you say, you know, giving of yourself to others and being generous with with what we do. Now, the, another thing you talk about uh, in this article and also in the book is you know, having positive mind states and recovering from, uh, from negative states. And I already gave you one of my dementors, which is the prior author, the peer-to-peer, so when I when I have that uh, kind of uh, uh, blackness take over my soul for a period of time, and that happens, how do I recover for that, or how do I maintain a, a positive mind uh, mind state?
1: Yeah, you know, I think that's I think that's really a great question. I think that goes back to very big topic, you know, resiliency, right? How do we cultivate and grow our resiliency as as a human being and as as physician and I mean, I think, you know, to me personally, you know, five years ago when I, when I had that bad outcome with that patient, that was the worst period of my time. And uh, the way I recovered from it was peer support. I mean, you know, a couple of physicians who are my friends were very supportive. I mentioned, you know, some of them in the articles. Uh, and, you know, I felt like supported, you know, in this process, But ultimately, I think being involved and, you know, saying, you know what, I'm going to make sure that I turn this negative experience into a positive one. Every crisis would bring opportunity and the ability to, you know, pass the crisis stage and and start seeing the opportunity was crucial for me. So that opportunity was really improving the system, you know, quality assurance, quality programs. So you know starting a quality committee hiring pharmacists revisiting our processes uh you know was it was part of my healing and uh you know now when i look back at that experience i i certainly see the the sadness and the grief part of it but i also see all the good that came out of it in terms of of system improvement so i think it took really a village to to recover from that experience and uh and that's where our community is very important to have, you know, uh, at Colorado Medical Society, we just started a mindfulness club, you know, just to be able, you know, if you are having a bad day to go to that mindfulness club and feel like you have five or six physician that you can sit down with, share your experience. You know, you feel understood. You can sit down and do 10 minutes of meditation, be, you know, centered in the moment and really don't feel isolated is, is a huge and, I totally believe in, in these communities. So, uh, you know, there's a book club community, there is a mindfulness community. Uh, and I think those are crucial for, uh, for physicians to, to have access to have access to, I think it's very hard to recover at least for me individually, even though, you know, I do yoga and meditation. I have lovely family and my wife, very supportive, you know, but I really felt that I needed the support and the acceptance of my peers.
0: Yeah, that is uh, a, a nice summary of, of mindfulness and, it, and its effects. And that was going to be the, the next to last question I asked you, which was, uh, you know, what do you do for mindfulness? Because I started meditating about a year and a half ago and have, have found it to be very, very powerful, very valuable. And there's other ways to be mindful outside of meditation and, and exercise and a hobby uh, you mentioned having the, 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 the peer interactions outside of direct patient care is also a, a valuable way to be, uh, to be mindful. So I think that is a, a great way to find, to find joy in what we do day in and day out. So let me ask you then for the, for the last question, what should our listeners know about the Colorado Medical Society, uh, know in, about what you do? Uh, this is your opportunity to plug organized medicine, which I am a big believer and a big fan of. And I think almost all, all Copic insurers, certainly the vast majority are, are members of their local medical societies. But if I'm on the fence, I'm out there practicing, wondering, guys, do I want to join this organization? Uh, give us a give us a, a best part or a plug for, uh, for joining this uh, great organization.
1: Yeah, I mean you know i'm always asked by you know physician what does colorado medical society you know do and i go over you know the ten thing the legislative agenda how they protect physician against uh you know insurance you know companies mergers a few years ago health plan wanted to merge and how would that affect physicians i mean there's a lot of work done by colorado medical society you know that goes un uh, unnoticed but I would, you know, look at the bigger picture. I would say every individual physician, you know, has an obligation to the profession, okay, as well. And in order for our profession as physician to stay strong and we have a voice in the healthcare system, you know, where you have a very strong players, uh, hospital, health plans, uh, you know, we have a, uh, you know, lawyers who are, trying to change the uh the system of malpractice in order for us to have a voice okay we need to be united together we need to speak in one voice and i cannot think of any other organization that will do that for physician other than the in colorado than the colorado medical society and the ama you know if we have seven thousand members you know I would say we are 7,000 strong. But if we have, you know, 10,000 mom members, we're 10,000 strong. Okay, so really membership and unity is going to reflect positively on every single one. I think the investment that you put, whether it's financial or time investment, is just, you're going to get a huge return on your investment. You know, you might not see it, you know, immediately, but once you attend a couple of meetings of the Colorado Medical Society, and our meetings are open to the to all membership, uh, uh, really you would hear, you would, you would know the, the benefit. So United, we are stronger. I just refer you to my article, uh, follow up article in the Colorado medicine in February. And I'm just going to quote from here, uh, from, a Ted Epperly, uh, passport chair and the president of the American Academy of family physician once said, all of us are smarter than any one of us. Okay. So that's really, uh, uh, organized medicine is a way to protect the professions for the next generations. Uh, and then I want to put more and more plug in for something completely different if I may, you know, so, yes, please. Yeah. So, uh, you know, coming from Syria and we all know the, uh, the misery of, uh, of what we call a civil war that happened over there. So, uh, there's organization that we started, the nonprofit organization called Santrita Foundation for Children, to help children affected by war, affected by famine, as related to that, you know. And uh, this organization is a nonprofit, is registered with the IRS, and we were able to deliver over 30,000 food baskets over there to families who are suffering. Delivered help, medical help for COVID delivered clothes to kids who never had new shoes in their life, you know. So, you know, besides my involvement with, you know, as an oncologist with the Colorado Medical Society, you know, that part of the generosity that, you know, really gives me a lot of joy in life to be part of of this. So if you feel, you know, you want to participate in that effort, you know, we would appreciate your generosity very much.
0: We'll send us an email with that, and we can put that in the show notes. So, Sammy Dia, uh, President of the Colorado Medical Society, oncologist, humanitarian, and a real servant leader. Thank you for joining us on Within Normal Limits.
1: Thank you, Eric. I appreciate the opportunity.
0: Hi, this is Dr. Susan Scambotti, a colorectal surgeon and medical director of Copic. thanking you for being a listener. We hope you find Within Normal Limits to be interesting and informative as we at Copic continue with new ways to bring you content relevant to our mission. Please email us at wnlpodcast at copic.com with show ideas or topics you would like to see addressed in future episodes of Within Normal Limits, Navigating Medical Risk. Also, please subscribe on your podcast platform of choice so you don't miss any of our content. And while you're at it, please give us a rating if you enjoyed our show.